not letting him inside right now. Ziggler, ball knocked away by Boswell. Ziggler gets it back. Seven on the shot clock. Boswell all over Ziggler now. Throws it cross court, right corner. Open. Three ball. Good. Courtney Ramey. Works his way in mob play for Ballo. Layup is good. Inside, nobody open there. Back door cut to Larson. He'll lay it in. Hello and welcome to Biased, an Arizona basketball podcast. I am your host, Ricky Garrett, here with Ed Bardo. All right, and Ed, I got one question for you. Tucson, what's good? <laughs> and I'll tell you what's good. Remember all that longing and painful uh, echoing about complaining about the Pac-12? Well, folks, it's over soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Arizona, in case you've been living under a rock, Arizona, ASU, Utah, and Colorado are all headed to the Big 12. Uh, it's something that I think a lot of Arizona fans had hoped for. Uh, the Pac-12 just wasn't doing it. Uh, George Klyovkov is in way over his head, and uh, Arizona is looking for some stability. Um, amongst other schools that have left, we have uh, Oregon and Washington that have both left for the Big Ten to join USC and UCLA. So we are officially down to the Pac-4. Can you believe that? Who would have thought after the long history of the you know, I, I think I started really getting into uh, into uh, Arizona sports and into the PAC back when it was the PAC-10. And I remember when it was the PAC-8, but I really wasn't into it so much when it was that. But the PAC-10 that eventually became the PAC-12 when Utah and Colorado joined on board. Who would have thought that we would have come to this day, huh? Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, I think it is kind of a sad uh, sad farewell to the PAC-12 because I do like the PAC-12. And I thought we had a great conference uh, I really enjoyed the rivalries with UCLA, uh, ASU, obviously, but we're going to have those still. Uh, I really enjoyed playing Oregon on a regular basis. Uh, we just had a lot of rich history there, and we had a lot of you know camaraderie amongst all the teams. And it is sad to to see it kind of fall apart like this. But we all saw this coming, right? I mean, we've had Larry Scott for so long, and he didn't leave George Klyukov anything in the cabin, in the cupboard, as we say, with uh, you know Jed Fish and Tommy Lloyd having players in the cupboard. George Klyukov had nothing. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's not his fault at all. Uh, it's just it's sad he had to see the demise. I'll say, yeah, I'll say mm-hmm. he had opportunities. He had opportunities to take a couple of options and deals that could help things. But the Pac-12, to, uh, it, given of course, given that he was in a tough situation. Um, he was uh, certainly had opportunities, but they took too passive of approach. He had to act quick, given what Larry Scott had done. But I want to do one thing before we start slamming and passing blame around, which we're going to do because let's face it, folks. A lot of the discussion about watching a century-old conference disappear, the talk of how money and uh, TV is starting to control college sports, and how all the changes that are occurring, and we're all—you've heard us wax on about the NIL and about uh, the portal. So with all that in mind, I want you to understand, Ricky and I are both hardcore lovers of the Pac-12. Fact is, one of our bucket list things that we wanted to do, given the famous names of the, the stadiums and uh, play, uh, you know, the arenas that Arizona played in uh, from our opponents, we wanted to do a road trip that, uh, that got to sit in the famous places throughout the Pac that we got to know so well because of our love of, you know, Pac-12 basketball and so forth, and even the foot, and even football, for that matter. And so these long-term rivalries, the teams that we know so well, the players, the coaches, 
believe me, there's a lot of love there that we have over the in a lot of history that we have with this team. So don't think as we start to talk about uh, the Big 12 and we start to talk about the blame and how we might have gotten here and our feelings on this that we have uh, that we are just we're you know just bad mouthing the conference with no uh, feeling or context or history there. That is completely not the case. Wouldn't you agree, Ricky? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And it's just it's difficult because yeah, we've enjoyed all these rivalries. We've enjoyed these these teams that we've played for so long, and we've built these rich histories with. You know, I love the rivalry with UCLA. I think it's one of the top games of the year, and to not have that anymore is is kind of rough. Now Arizona is going into a great situation basketball wise in the Big Twelve, so Absolutely. you know we're not going to be able to complain too much <laughs> because yeah. our schedule just got a lot tougher. Uh, no. Which is good. I think it's great. But uh, yeah, you're good. right. We had this this plan of going to all these you know different stadiums, different gyms, and and being able to to watch our team play against these guys and and to visit these arenas that we haven't been to before. And uh, do you think this is going to make this year that much more interesting, or do you think it's going to have little to no effect on this year? No, I, I think it will. I think it will. I think there will be kind of a – it'll be a bittersweet year, okay? I think that everybody knew, and we did too. I mean, even before Arizona left and a lot of the team – even before Colorado left, you and I had already discussed that one of the targets that we had to have was to go see a, the rivalry at Poly Pavilion and at, at USC just because of the fact that it was the last one as a Pac-12. But now it's even more so that way that, uh, you know, this is it. A lot of these games are not going to be easy to match up again. It's not likely that they'll happen in many cases for a long, long time. Um, just as an interesting note, I was looking at uh, CBS Sports was talking about which games must they must find a way to make uh, continue into the future just across the board, not just in the Pac-12, not just in the Big 12, not just in the Big 10. And the first one they listed was Arizona-UCLA. They said this is a rivalry, a thing that must continue no matter what happens. And I think, th- I think we can all agree we'd all like to see that continue, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the greatest games of the year. It's filled with passion. It's filled with hard play. It's filled with you know two coaches that – respect each other i think but necessarily don't really like each other and that's kind of how it's been with ucla and arizona right i mean lute olson had respect but you know it's just that's the thing you know it's it's your rival it's you know it's not necessarily asu hatred but it is a good healthy rivalry and it's good for college basketball i think yeah and the fans get vicious at each other there's so much emotion behind it it's always close it's always there's so much spit behind it absolutely there's a lot of spit behind it enough to get you in trouble (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've got to say, though, the passion is there and the games are close. And you're usually looking at two teams playing that ha- that have a shot at the championship. They're often playing for the championship in the, pa- in the past in the Pac-12, including the last two. And they're also uh, teams that, where you're watching, in many cases, future NBA talent showing off. So, I mean, what's not to like about that? But now, you know, let's kind of talk about how we saw this coming and what our take is on how we kind of got to this point where this was inevitable and kind of as a context to that. At one point just before this happened, say within the last month, uh, AZ Desert Swarm did a a poll and was surveying everybody to say, what should Arizona do? 93% said rush to the Pac-12, I mean Big 12, immediately. Mm-hmm. There was almost nobody who disagreed with that statement. So how did we get to the point where almost every single Arizona fan was like, jump ship now? <laughs> it starts with Larry Scott, doesn't it? 
I mean, I think he so. really he did nothing for the conference. Um, you know, he tried the whole Pac-12 Network initiative, and I don't think the Pac-12 Network was very successful. Um, you saw a lot of Pac-12 Network employees get let go. You know, it just wasn't a good project, and it never really did anything to highlight uh, the Pac-12 sports. I mean, football and basketball just weren't really seen. You know, there was, the exposure was just not there on the Pac-12 Network. Um, you also have terrible start times for games. You have, you know, nine, 10 o'clock games. You know, who's going to watch at, you know, one, two in the morning on the East Coast? People don't exactly. care. I mean, so it's kind of exactly. nice to have that Pac-12 after dark also die uh, because our schedule will be a lot more friendly, I believe, in the Big 12. Um, so we'll be playing a little bit earlier in these uh, different time zones that we're going to be in. So, Yeah, and, uh, and, and what do you think? Do you think now with the TV deals, the time zones and everything like that, I think uh, do you really think we should see a lot more exposure? Wouldn't you agree a lot more folks will get a chance to watch Arizona basketball instead of hearing about it and watching highlights the next day? Well, here's the thing. Arizona's not going to be playing – Cal, Washington State, Stanford, Oregon State at 9, 10 o'clock at night. Who's going to watch that? Now Arizona's games are going to be against Baylor, Kansas, Houston. Those are primetime games, and those are going to have to be on you know, ESPN, CBS, whatever. I think Arizona's exposure just jumped exponentially because they're with the Big 12 now. Absolutely. If you take Arizona, you just walk through the list of Big 12 teams right now. Just think about this, folks. You walk through, take Arizona, put their name next to a lot of the schools right there in the Big 12 and say to yourself, is that a prime time game or what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. is just, I mean, just left and right. Whereas Arizona recently going through the Pac-12, one of the uh, points that we made on previous podcasts was as Arizona played through the Pac-12, there wasn't much opportunity outside of non-conference play to get your, uh, to get your numbers up to look good for the tournament. Uh, you and I had this discussion many times about if you want to help your seeding, you've only got a few teams in the Pac-12 that are going to do that for you. The rest of them are just given. You just have to win. Right. That right. has changed in a big way. Mm-hmm. That has changed in a really big way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did we get to this point? Well, first of all, I think we need to give our shout-out and props to Dr. Robbins and Dave Hickey. I think they did a wonderful job getting us to the Big 12. Uh, I think they played it absolutely perfectly. Uh, I think they did a, a great job of, you know, not jumping in. I mean, they were, I believe that they were focused on the Big 12, but they were also going to give the Pac-12 a fair chance. I think they gave George Klyukov many opportunities to give them a deal, give them something that they can, you know, grasp onto and sign and say, yes, we get behind this. This is a great deal. Okay, we're going to stay. Um, but when push comes to shove and that deal never showed up, you know, Arizona took the best, next best thing, which is going to the Big 12, where there is stability, where there's a commissioner who not only came in and said he was going to do things, but he actually did them, which is nice. Uh, you've got great, rich tradition in the Big 12 with great teams. I mean, we've already discussed this. This is going to be one of the best basketball conferences. Um, you know, I think football is actually going to be uh, up there as well. You know, it's not going to be the SEC. Uh, it may not even be the Big Ten, but it's going to be pretty close. I mean, you can't discredit TCU being in the championship game last year, right? No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I think uh, you have to say that there's no doubt, of course, as you form a super conference like this, that uh, on, the, on the basketball side, the Big 12 gains and Arizona gains in terms of what we're talking about, the most dominant conference in college basketball, without a mm-hmm. doubt. 
And the potential there in football to have a chance to play teams and stuff and really find out what we're made out of and stuff is going to be an ama- it's going to be amazing. I got to tell you. And it's also if we have an opportunity, we're certainly going to take advantage of the road trips. But there's a lot of I mean, as we look at the the foundation of when we first started uh, talking about. Do you remember Ricky when you and I first started uh, using Larry Scott's name as a four letter word? Oh. <laughs> it was for me. What really struck me is when he and Sean Miller got into it a little bit because Sean Miller was called for a technical in the Pac-12 tournament against UCLA, and we found out later that Ed Rush, the head officiating uh, guy, was the one that kind of put a bounty on Sean Miller and dared some of these refs to give Sean Miller a technical, even though it wasn't necessarily warranted because all he said was he touched the ball. Um, That's really when it got to me with Larry Scott. And I said, you know what? Can't have that. If he's going to keep these officials in here, uh, you know, that's not the right thing to do. And that's when you started to hear all the boos for Larry Scott at the Pac-12 tournament. Because if any of you have ever been, and you've seen Larry Scott have to present the trophy to Sean Miller, which is a great thing to watch. <laughs> you've heard all the boos towards Larry Scott. And even you know towards the later end of Sean Miller's tenure, Sean Miller was trying to get the crowd to quiet down. Um, but even still, that's for me when it started with Larry Scott. I want to I want to read just a little bit here from Arizona Sports as they talk a little bit about this because they did a really good kind of editorial on on who's to blame and so forth. And here there was an aspect to this that was very interesting. So let me just read a little bit of this. It says Larry Scott deserves much of the blame. So does his replacement George Klyovkov, who had one job and instead produced exactly the kind of subscription based TV deal that doomed his predecessor. You'd laugh at the you'd laugh at the irony if it didn't hurt so much. Blame also falls on the shoulders of Arizona State President Michael Crow. This is an interesting twist. Who remains loyal? Who remained loyal to a fault to Scott and the idea that the Pac-12 was too brilliant and too innovative to fail? Crow is a visionary who has done great things, improving ASU's academics, academics, and expanding its footprint. This is an inarguable. Once mocked nationally for its party school image, ASU is a decorated university full of brilliant graduates. But he was susceptible to a commissioner like Scott who liked really expensive things. Remember we talked about that, Ricky? Mm-hmm. Who peddled in the currency of big ideas, whose Pac-12 network would offer seven channels and would feature all the wonderful Olympic sports in the conference. A former college wrestler, that was exactly what Crow wanted to hear and exactly what he wanted for his 26 programs and 650 athletes. So this is an interesting thing to hear <laughs> To hear this aspect of it, uh, the groundwork and stuff and the support that was coming together that was going to help let Larry Scott continue, huh? Well, and Michael Crow played a very big part in the delay of Arizona going to the Big 12. Uh, Arizona Board of Regents met last week, and Crow was still fully willing to sign whatever the Pac-12 had to offer. Um, It turned out to be the Apple TV Plus deal, Um, but he was all in on that, and then uh, you know, once he heard the other presidents talking, I think obviously Dr. Robbins had a, a big thing to say, a big role in getting, you know, Michael Crow to change his mind. Um, also, I think the whole board of regents is like, you know, dude, what are you waiting for? Um, he, I, I heard like literally, you know, in a short while before, while the board of regents was meeting and everything that he was still anxious to try to pull people together to sign that deal. Yeah. Isn't as that of, amazing? As of Friday morning, there was a rumor out uh, saying that, this whole thing of you know all these schools going to the Big Twelve was falling apart, and that I think was just started, um, you know, mostly by Michael Crow, but also I think with the Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten, 
I think they were using that as some leverage uh, to get to the Big Ten. And so I don't think Oregon and Washington had any hesitation or reservations about leaving for the Big Ten. They were just using that as leverage and saying that, oh, yeah, we will sign the grant of rights and we'll stick with you guys. And, you know, we're all loyal together. No, not really. <laughs> no, no. It was just a delaying move. And let's let's think about it, folks. I want everybody to just think about this for a moment to put this in context as we're talking some of the details at this point. If you were to picture yourself as part of the Pac-12, you know, as a major school, particularly during basketball season, where we're a top-notch school. So say you're in the top 10 at this point, top five, which is an easy uh, thing to imagine for Arizona, right? So mm-hmm. to imagine to yourself if the only way you can watch Arizona play in a game in a particular Saturday or whatever is to watch it on a streaming channel. Is that where we've? Is that what we had come to as a conference? Is that what we had come to as Arizona? Is that what it means for us? We think of the biggest games being on maybe CBS, maybe being on Fox Sports, maybe being on ESPN. But to find ourselves to where we're relegated to basically showing up to someone who has streaming or something like that was that where the conference was headed? And yet this was what was being offered at the end that we had somehow missed so many boats that one of the premier programs in basketball and what's an up and coming program in football and certainly a certainly a school and a conference that truly can claim to be conference of champions. Is this what we were relegated to? I want you to understand this is what was before the Pac-12 schools besides just the pure money. Right. And what also bugs me is George Kliakov's comments, you know, saying, you know, early on, maybe even a year ago, that we're going to make more money than the SEC. It's like, really? Or the Big Ten. He said, SEC or Big Ten, we're going to be, you know, way above those guys as far as money goes. That clearly did not happen. You heard him at the uh, media day. He said that the longer we wait, the better the TV deal we're going to get. <laughs> and what? he missed he and the the history is rich in what he missed in order to do that. You know, it it, it drives me nuts because uh, you know, he was asked, you know, would he resign? You know what his here's his statement. I read it to you folks. This is what he said. I'm loyal to a fault and probably to my personal detriment. Had plenty of chances to leave over the past two years when the breadth of the challenges were already obvious and decided to stick it out and try to do the best I can. We still have a lot of work ahead of us to try to minimize the impact on student athletes, and I'm still committed to that. You think you got, you think that might be a bit late? <laughs> yeah, like you've got four schools left. You know, There's a rumor out there now that Oregon State and potentially – uh, who else? Oregon State and uh, San Diego State may be looking at the Big 12, maybe talking to the Big 12. Um, and but yeah, got, you're left uh, with Washington State, Stanford, and Cal. <laughs> Stanford and Cal are being they're, they're up right now for consideration for the ACC. They just the it's officially been uh, being considered now. San Diego State just failed to create a new Power Five conference. They initiated an attempt to create a new Power 5 conference, and what they were going to do is scavenge the Pac-12, the best teams out of two other conferences, to try to create a new power conference to replace the Pac-12, but it eventually, it just failed, I think, as recent as today. And so uh, it's the chaos that in the aftermath. And the the part that's really interesting to watch as this whole thing plays out, and Ricky and I, we've been watching this quite closely, is to watch how blame avoidance occurs, how uh, the folks, leadership, you know, back when Teddy Roosevelt said the buck stops here, he was trying to make it very clear that as a leader, one should take ownership for all the problems, even if that you weren't directly the person to create them. But in the case of leadership of the Pac-12, let's watch and see how much uh, – responsibility is taken by the folks who were in charge. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that's just that's why it makes it so much more attractive to go to a, a conference like the Big Twelve because Brett Yormark came in and you know he wasn't really dealt a great hand either. You know, the commissioner before did not do a great job, and schools were leaving. They didn't have a deal signed. He came in and he said, "I'm going to get you guys the best deal you've seen. I'm going to take care of Oklahoma and Texas leaving." I'm going to expand the conference and we're going to get more teams in here, better teams or, or good teams, you know, not better. Kansas is great. Baylor's great. Houston's great. TCU's great. Um, but getting better quality teams in there as well. Uh, and he did all those things, you know, and it's just a breath of fresh air to, to see a commissioner come in and say, Hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And guess what? He did this, this, and this. Um, George has just been talking. He's just been talking and talking and talking. And, and his he strategy. Just just to like a fault, said, I guess, though. right? Yeah. You said his strategy of delaying things. One of the things that uh, that he's being criticized about is he had opportunities post Larry Scott. He had opportunities to seal uh, several deals, stuff, including with ESPN, that he, he, he just waited on. And he, he was so sure that his strategy would work. So as much as I blame Larry Scott, and believe me, there's a lot, that, lot to be said there, um, it, he had a... George had opportunities that he could have seized. He really seemed to have missed the boat over and over. There seemed to be a passive uh, attitude towards leadership in the Pac-12 in his reign. And that I find kind of uh, hard to take. You know, I don't know about you. That just really just burns, you know, chaps my hide to think that he sat back so passively. And here Dr. Robbins is waiting, waiting and telling the press, everybody's bugging him. Are you going to jump ship? And he's saying, I want to see and give a chance, like you mentioned. I want to see what type of deal we get because let's come on, folks. Let's let's be realistic here. As much as we want to say, oh, this is amateur sports, this and that. We know how important it is to the schools and the media rights and all that, to, and how much money that can be made from this, and how much it supports the athletic programs, how much it supports the school. This is important stuff. Giving up ten million or something like that is a big deal. Giving up twelve million—that's a big deal. There's a lot that has to be said about that. I was just reading or something. Let's see. I'll come back to it. But like the the league, I think that San Diego State believe uh, it plays in. They only get uh, four million per school. Yeah, that's a huge difference. Huge. And so Dramatic. that's yeah, that's 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 crazy. And so yeah, let's be realistic and realize that's the that's important. Okay, let's not get oh money's ruined this, money's doing that. These are the type of things a leader such as George, such as Larry have to take into account as businessmen. What was George's job previous to coming into the Pac-12? He, he was the head of MGM Entertainment, MGM, right? Yeah. That's right. And so his, the reason they brought him in and stuff is because the, the thought was, the thought was, he gets it. He gets it. He understands it's a business. It's an entertainment business, okay? It's about the money. It's about these things. These are the things that are important. How does, so Ricky, how does he miss his mark so badly? It's one of the, the phrase goes, you had one job to do, you know, <laughs> I mean, he, he came from that background. That's why I was so excited. I was excited to get rid of Larry Scott. I was excited that we were bringing somebody in who had the entertainment background, who could, you know, knows the deals, knows the business, knows the industry. I thought for sure that this was going to be, you know, a whiz bang hire that George was going to put us on the map and he was going to do what he said he was going to do. And it just never materialized. It just never came to. And it's frustrating because I believed in this guy. You know, I thought finally we're going to get somebody in here. Larry and Scott's gone. 
Here yeah. we go. And you could, and you know, of course, how it was. You know, you and I would have been like, we would have taken just about anybody for Larry Scott at the time. So anybody was going to be a relief for us, right? Either one of our daughters would have been way better. <laughs> that would have been way better. <laughs> they said, look, we're going to have pizza and french fries every day, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. We're good with that. I, I, um, I, yeah, that's a, it, it's the enthusiasm was there, but how did, how did it plan out for you? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I'd like to also talk about, you know, how Dr. Robbins and Dave Hickey get it, uh, because this is about athletics. It's not just about academics. I think a lot of people in the Pac-12 genre um, are proud of the academics part of the Pac-12. You know, we have a lot of prestige. You know, we've got Stanford, Cal, UCLA. We've got the, the high-end academic schools there. Um, but what I think Dr. Robbins and Dave Hickey realize is that the athletics can help drive the academic part. You know, I'm sick and tired of seeing a Cal game or a Washington State game or Stanford game, which what happened to them? Stanford used to be, you know, full gym for basketball, full stadium for football, and now they're just non-existent. I'm sick of seeing these empty stadiums when we go to play these guys. You know, I want to see a rabid fan base. I want to see some excitement around the, the conference and and schools that care about and fan bases that care about athletics. And we just weren't getting that towards the end of the PAC 12's tenure. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's just they, I, the funny thing is this just recently. Uh, so I think it was Dave and uh, uh, Rob just released a statement talking about how close the decision was. His description is we, sh- we were showing up together to sign in blood our grant of rights over to the PAC 12 conference. And this yeah. is what he said Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says that it would have paid each school about $23 million a year, but it would have been streaming only. And the part that was – this is the part that is still why I asked the question I asked earlier. It, we, it would have put it on the schools to get people and fans and alumni to sign up for subscriptions. And this was just like, what? Is that what we've come to? Is that we've come out and we're basically having to pitch people to <laughs> – to sign up for a subscription service. And I just thought, man, look at what we've come to. But what, what Dr. Robbins said is that he got a call shortly beforehand that's, that, that I, it has to, we know who it has to be from, which school, one of the schools it had to be from, but they basically said, look, we're heading to the Big Ten. You should know that before you sign anything. And right. that basically a, a, thing, a cascade started that basically we saw how it turned out. But what an amazing 24 hours and what a situation to have to watch! I've got to tell you, folks, I was glued to the glued to the news, like <laughs> watching every minute to see what was going to happen. How yeah, about I mean, you? this is this is a huge deal. It's not just oh, we're going to the Big Twelve. Okay, no, this is huge. I mean, the Pac twelve has been around for over a hundred years, and we've like I said, we've got all the prestige of these schools and rivalries and all that. So to switch conferences and to have the whole conference just implode. Is is crazy. In almost twenty four hours, we saw a complete transformation, right? Yeah, and it's just funny because the Pac twelve put out a, a statement talking about how, well, you know, the Colorado thing, Colorado leaving to the Big Twelve, that's not a, a huge deal. Well, that kind of is what started this whole thing, you know, Colorado yep. leaving, okay, and then Oregon and Washington saying, okay, we're going to the Big Ten, and then boom, there goes Arizona, ASU, and Utah. Um, it's just the lackadaisical approach by the Pac-12 leadership and just saying, yeah. oh, d- you know, don't worry. It's not Horrible. a big deal here. Okay, it's not a big deal. Well, what about now? Is it a big deal? Because you have four schools left. 
and they're already aligning with other conferences. There's already uh, in, there's an already an indicator. So one of the discussions, of course, is would they merge or something with the Mountain West or something else, right? And now it looks very clear that uh, it's these other teams are aligning potentially with other conferences. So the Pac-12 is effectively gone uh, so far, right? So, uh, boy, that's your legacy, right? In the end, that's your legacy. It means all of it, all of it, the whole thing, 108 years of, of conference history. Your legacy as a leader is that. And I promise you this. I get the impression from listening to the guys talk that, and what you and I know of Larry Scott, what we've learned by his actions, not by his words, and what we've seen with George, no one's going to take responsibility for this. And I'm going to speak as a business leader myself of what I think about that. In the end, one of the things that we try to do in business and try to really push hard to do as in executive leadership positions is to say, you must take accountability for what you do and your results. How you get there, why? No excuses. In the end, you must take accountability for what it is that you end up as results. Your results are what matters. Right. And so I ask George, I ask Larry, take accountability for the result of what you did to a 108-year-old conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy that they just won't stand up and say, "My bad." You know, it didn't go the way we planned. Uh, you know, I was the leader, and I I didn't do my job. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I I thought we could do this, this, and this, and it just didn't work out. Um, you know, it's unacceptable, but at least man up to it. You know, um, uh, absolutely take take ownership and 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 do something about it, but. Uh, Watching it fade away and just like, oh, I'll find another job. It, it's it's shameful, and I hope uh, based on the t- if you go out and take a peek, you'll find a lot of uh, blistering editorials that go after both Larry Scott and George and others. So uh, all, all I have to say is I think everybody knows the root cause of why this happened and stuff. But it'd be amazing if these guys actually stood up and said, you know, and said, you know, we did our best. We tried. It's our fault. We should, we could have made better decisions and so forth, but I don't ever expect that day is coming. No, not at all. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the Apple TV plus deal because there is a small part of me that was curious about it because it does sound interesting to me. Um, So the Apple TV plus deal Obviously, the whole conference realignment fell apart because it wasn't enough money up front. Apple was basically offering $20 million per school to start, um, but then eventually it would grow to over $30 million. Incentivizing uh, by subscription uh, exactly. result, by results, yep. Um, what's interesting about it is, you know, Apple as a company is really good at the digital realm. You know, they've got the iPhones, iPads, they got Apple TV, they got you know, all these technologies. And I think that what they were trying to put out there actually would have been a really nice product. I mean, assuming they did this last year before USC and UCLA jumped ship, I don't know that it's that bad of a deal uh, per se. I mean, I, I get the subscription part. And I get the, you know, streaming only. Um, but the technologies around it and everything, and we are heading towards that direction. I know everyone wanted the linear television, and I agree with that. But we are heading and trending in that direction towards streaming. Um, it just seems like there's a part of me that knows that, you know, there have been people that have turned their backs on Apple and, you know, look at the iPhone when it first came out. Yeah. And but, uh, what Steve Ballmer said, he said, nobody's going to buy that phone. 
You know, so, the, the, but the difference that this is where this is where I have a problem with it. So let's think about how long uh, Apple TV's been around, Apple's been around, and stuff like that. They are not a dominant force in streaming just yet. I mean, even compared to Netflix and stuff, they're still it's still a, uh, it's still if you take and combine all the streaming, yes, everybody gets that that's where the world's going. More people watch YouTube than even the Super Bowl. But even given that. Part of part of it is it harkens back to an earlier era, and part of the reason why you could watch many of the big games on uh, on regular commercial TV was the fact that a lot of sports. The idea was is this is something for the people that you make it available to everybody to see and stuff. Is that uh, and the fact that more and more it started to become a pay thing. Even when it went to ESPN, it wasn't so bad because ESPN was kind of like basic cable. It was almost a given that you had that or Fox or something like that, right? Right. So it was pretty straightforward. You had that, but you didn't have to pay specifically for Arizona. It was just on one of your channels and stuff that you already got, of the many channels that you got, everything else. And and it's something about the fact that uh, that you got stuck into a niche corner someplace with a big streaming service or something alone, you know, as your primary source and stuff that felt like, uh, it, boy, is Arizona, was Arizona the Pac-12's brand not a bit more powerful than that. It, it almost seemed like, uh, it, and the the way it was dealt with by Apple, for example, Apple giving them a deadline that make the deal by Friday or it's over. It was almost like a capitulation deal. It wasn't like a uh, like a, something that Apple would be announcing, saying work in any way they could to get it because the product was so hot and so good that Apple was going to do everything they could to get it. No, it was more like, eh, you guys need a place to go. Yeah, we could kind of. If that's how it felt to me, right. That, yeah, it felt that way to me. It didn't feel like Apple was like, we're going to do anything we can to get this. This is the hottest property. This would be the best content we got. This would be fantastic. This would be game-changing. No, Apple, not once did I see a statement that made it seem that way. They said proper things and stuff, but and then they're like, take it or leave it. Friday, it's gone. Well, it's like I said, it's a year late and a dollar short. You know, yeah. if, had this happened before USC and UCLA left, I think now you have something that's interesting. Because um, you do have really good teams still in the Pac-12, and you have a decent product. And and like I said, Apple has the technologies and whatnot. No, they're not a prime streaming service, but again, I think that they could do things that no other, you know, TV channel or whatnot's doing, um, and they could make it worthwhile. It would have, um, yeah. And I think it's what what you said is if if it would have been a different tactic. So look at it two ways. The, the end result is the same thing. You go to a streaming service, but let's look at it two ways. One is the fight you do to get something that is so critical to your strategy and success. You have a clear goal as a streaming service that you want to become a power player in college sports and stuff, so you're looking to acquire a power conference. Now flip it over and say, someone's desperate for a TV deal, so they're trying, to, they're trying to show you the results of the ratings and stuff they got on other channels and stuff to see if you'll take up and show college sports. My God, if, I had, if, if we had known way in advance and everybody had known, gosh, Apple really made a big strategy its core to their business strategy to get into NCAA sports. They, that's going to be the cornerstone for making the streaming service grow and subscribers grow. That would have been an exciting thing to jump into. But mm -hmm. instead, my God, it felt like we were getting uh, fed scraps and seeing if we'd take them. Yeah, we were literally to be we were thrown a bone. We were being thrown a bone. And when they put the deadline out there and said, take it by Friday or leave it, I was just like, Geez, that's what we've come to. Right. Yep. <laughs> well, and part of my issue too is um, I am a streamer. You know, I have YouTube TV, but guess what? YouTube TV does not have the Pac-12 network. It never did. It's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I had to play every trick to watch games. So I, That's the I, point. I had like, Sling TV. I had Sling TV, and I had Pac-12 Network. I was able to watch ESPN and ESPN2 and all that. But when they played the games on Fox Sports, I had to go to the streaming on Fox, Fox Sports, fortunately, which it was free, and pop it on there to watch it on the TV. <laughs> Can I go off on a tangent real quick? Fox sure. Sports. Why does Fox Sports quality look so much worse than everybody else? It looks like Fox Sports <laughs> is being recorded with a flip phone. It does. It looks all. It looks pretty. It's amazing too. It just doesn't look. It does. It's not what you expect. I, I'm wondering if they're downgrading it because they show it that way. I'm not sure, but it certainly doesn't look as good as. It's just a couple uh, of years ago, Arizona went to Illinois, and it almost looked foggy in the gym. I'm like, what is going on here? The quality is absolutely trash. And this is a big game. It's Arizona at Illinois. You know, Arizona hasn't played at Illinois. So yeah, and, I, and I'm popping those games up on I'm 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 casting them to a big TV and watching them or I'm opening them up on a big a t- TV and watching them and you, you look at it and you can t- when they look foggy or they don't look quite nice I say boy you could tell I'm streaming this versus when you look at a lot of the games like you pull them up with ESPN or something like that they look like geez this looks sharper than it did when I had cable <laughs> yeah and the the aspect ratio seemed like it was squished and it just it just looked, looked terrible and I'm sitting there going what is going on with Fox why can't they figure this out. Uh, but sorry, that's just my tangent. But uh, you said Fox. And I was like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking of all the ways because, you know, you and I, of course, religiously watch the games. And and, and sometimes it was always, a, okay, which channel is it on? Right. And I think everybody can relate to that. Well, now we're in the Big 12. And so now we're going to be on all the major channels. And we don't have anything to worry about because Arizona games will be live and we'll be able to watch them and we won't have to worry about it. And so we're going to be dedicating a lot of time, folks, with that as we transition to that, of course. And I'm looking forward to the biased episodes, you know, reigning supreme during that time in the Big 12. But we still got a Pac-12 season to get through that's still going to be exciting and somewhat bittersweet. But uh, but those rivalries, the last chance to play in a, in a, in a doomed conference is going to make quite the storyline. And I, I think it make it really a dramatic year. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Um the Titanic of conferences. Come watch the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine that UCLA Arizona game this year, or two games this year. It's going to be just crazy because you know this is it, and this is it. Arizona and UCLA want to go out on top. They want to end this thing, you know, with a bang. So it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, you know how when you sometimes see on ESPN or something like that, a game comes on and says, last time these two schools played was 1953. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, some of the Pac-12 schools, it's going to be like that. It's going to be a long time before we'll play some of those schools again by by chance, Just be, unless we both of the schools go out and specifically seek that opportunity to play each other because with the Big 12, the schedule is going to be quite full and the non-conf games are going to be premium. So uh, it's going to be a real tough situation for Arizona to play a lot of the schools that they used to play in the past if they're not in the conference with them in the Big 12, which is only a few of them. So well, and it really changes the picture. Yeah, and it's really easy to jump ahead and look you know, forward to next year or the next season in 2024. But don't forget, this year we are playing at Duke. We've got Alabama oh, on the books. we got yeah. Michigan State. we got Purdue. we got Wisconsin. We like, have a legendary year. You do talk not about overlook non- this year. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about non-conference games uh, being at a premium? Uh, Tommy Lloyd and the team and the contracts that uh, Arizona set up to fight uh, to you know to play the best, the best schools in in the nation. Man, you just cannot. This is going to be the most exciting year. Um, and then when we get into Pac-12 play, we'll ha- we'll undoubtedly have a nice animated symbol for the Pac-12 of like the Pac-12 in the shape of a ship hitting an iceberg and saying, <laughs> "Look, the ship's already hit the iceberg. It's just a matter of time for it to sink." 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the uh, the memes about the Pac-12 and the sinking ship and whatnot, they've just been glorious to watch. I mean, I've seen all these jokes, and it's they're so funny because <laughs> people are spot on with these. That's it. That's it. It's, it's, we've already hit the iceberg. It's over. It's <laughs> yep, that's it. You bet. <laughs> So, um, I wanted to talk real quick about the ACC thing. What did you think about that? What did you think about, you know, had the Pac-12 stayed together, what would you have thought of merging with the ACC and having like an East Coast, West Coast thing? Uh, that would have been interesting. One of the things that would be interesting about that, of course, is that you create this power super conference and you maintain the rivalries and the uh, – you, you can – kind of choose to uh, make the travel and all the east west coast time issues and stuff not as much an issue but to be honest i like the fact that uh, arizona got pulled into just like different teams uh different schedules different courts that they have to play in in such a powerful conference that uh it just really mixes it up it's like if you want to do a reset this is how to do it but the acc of course that you and i know from watching basketball forever in particular that that would have been an amazing thing to think about uh since the acc for many years was the power conference in basketball yeah i mean you look at ucla versus duke or ucla versus north carolina or arizona versus duke or north carolina you know those games just are amazing you know oregon against those two uh, it just it feels like it would have been really fun to watch. Obviously, Ayers isn't going to get the chance to play Duke anyways. Um, but uh, it's just it sounded like yeah. a kind of cool I, idea. I think the power schools are always going to find a way to play each other, right? They'll find a way through deals and, and home and away type situations or whatever. One of the things to think about too at the ACC, had Arizona been in, say that had happened or something, is one of the things that's very interesting about the Big Twelve is yes, this is a basketball podcast. I get that, but when we think about these conference realignments, it's all the other sports we. We don't talk about or we do talk about such as football that come into play too and right. you have to think of those type of matchups that would come in that type of space and it's not as it, the acc certainly improved and uh, improved and in some years was even quite good as a football one but definitely wasn't what you'd call a dominating conference in football except maybe clemson <laughs> yeah right and they'd be going against the number one team in the state of arizona <laughs> your arizona wildcats <laughs> yes Yes, we're number one. We're number one. We are so much better than ASU and NAU. <laughs> that was funny, too, because what, I, there, what we're referring to, everybody, is where there was an article that was saying, we're ranking the best teams, the best uh, college football teams in every state. And we thought about it and said, well, that's a really high bar to reach. How many schools does Arizona have to compete against? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> and ASU finished 3-9 and nine last year, and Arizona had five wins, so Arizona yeah, gets the edge. There you Plus, go. And won the final game, so that's... Plus, Jed Fish is killing it with recruiting, so he's he's doing an absolutely wonderful job. And that just brings more excitement because now what do you think Jed Fish and Tommy Lloyd are going to be able to do in Texas, right? The recruiting in Texas is going to be awesome. And just think of the the type of experience the players are going to get now, who who they're playing against, who they could be matched up against. Right, right. It's, It's exciting. It's very, you know, fun to know that every week Arizona is going to be tested. Um, whether it's football or basketball, they're going to have a really solid opponent. It's not going to be us going against the Californias or, you know, beating down Stanford or whatever. It's going to be fun every yeah. week. And you're going to know really quickly how good of a team Tommy Lloyd has out on the court. You know, it's not going to be, oh, well, this team seems to be good, but then come March, they get punked by Princeton. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what's going to be the weirdest thing for all of us to deal with is, you know, waking up on a Saturday and watching a college football game where Arizona's at West Virginia or something like that. It's going to be just the weirdest thing because we're so used to what we are used to that the change 
when it first comes about is going to be just fun to get used to. I'm excited about it. I mean, really, I have to say, I really am both in football, basketball, everything. I'm pretty excited. Um, so, but it's so just speaking of West Virginia, interesting. How excited are you to go see Kirk Risa? <laughs> that he he thought oh, I got away from the Pac-12. I got away from Don. Oh, wait a second. What? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're doing what? <laughs> I came to play for Bob Huggins. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was like, it was just like his world's, his world's getting turned around on a daily basis. He knows what change is all about now. <laughs> Did old Bobby get his job back or not? <laughs> Are we? Is that still well, up in the air? Yeah, we'll, we'll wait until it goes to the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's exactly. got, that's got become a comedy. That's become, there's a little comedy there too. And stuff is, it's like, wait, you didn't resign, huh? Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah. So Kurt, Kurt, just wherever he goes, there seems to be like a storm following him. Yeah. Poor guy. But I think he's going <laughs> to thrive. I think he'll do well. And he is, I think he's a good player. Nope. I, I'm excited to see him play Arizona. I want to see what kind of fire he comes out with. And I uh, think it'll be cordial. I don't, I mean, he'll probably trash talk because that's who he is. But um, I'm excited to see what he brings because his you know, first game again. I promise you, his first game against Arizona, the world will never see that many threes launched by one guy. Oh, he is going to take control, and it's like Chuck dude, City, just baby. Pass me the rock. I'll I'll go 15 for 32. I don't care. No, no, no. He, he he'll be okay if he goes six for 40. <laughs> He's just going to chuck that baby. I tell you what. It's like wait, did that's I my make six threes for Arizona. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, yeah. Speaking of no. that, though, what games are you excited about? You no, know, obviously we talked about next year, and we got the great preseason or the uh, non-con, and then we've got a, a last Pac-12 season. But once we do finally get to the Big Twelve, what games excite you the most? Oh, it's well, I'm I'm not going to go for obvious and stuff like that. So one of the questions right now is that everybody's dividing up. Everybody understands, and the power of the Arizona brand is so powerful that when you listen to all the basketball pundits talk, they're saying about how much. Uh, swagger and power Arizona brings into a conference already deemed as the strongest in college basketball. Arizona has that much to behind its name in co- in college sports. Okay, so good reason to leave, right? That ties back into what we were saying about one of the reasons why we should only expect the best for the program. Mm-hmm. So Arizona walking into there, of course, everybody's saying, who's going to challenge Kansas? Who's gonna, can anybody challenge Kansas and knock them off from consecutive uh, conference championships and stuff? And, this, and they picked only a couple of schools that could, would likely do it. And I'm going to guess you know who they're thinking could do it. Arizona. <laughs> Arizona and Houston. Are the two that there's a lot of talk about, but let's not forget Baylor and TCU are really strong contenders in there as well. Um, historically, they've been, and so I got to tell you, I, the the if we have to go on a road and play in Texas, well, that's going to be scary, right? Oh yeah, that Texas swing with you know TCU, and then you've got Baylor, you got Houston, Texas Tech, Texas Tech. That is going to be brutal. That will be rough. And just yeah. imagine that first game at TCU after what the Wildcats did to the TCU fans holding Ugh. up the Horn Frog, yeah, as they were leaving the court. Yeah, that's going to be. This is going to be. Uh, the, the, I think the intensity of these games when they first start is going to be something else. Once they get into a rhythm and they're used to seeing each other, but there's a lot of history between these teams because uh, the Big Twelve is a uh, you know is a strong college basketball conference, and consequently, we've met these teams in the tournament. Mm-hmm. We've met him in the tournament. We've played him on uh, played him for other reasons and so forth. And so there's a lot a, there's a lot of history here too that'll come into play. And I think uh, when we first play some of these schools, particularly when we're on their home court, 
there is going to be a lot of emotion and stuff there. It's going to be exciting, right? But my, the thing I'm most good, uh, of course, Arizona, Kansas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know when the last time or if it's ever happened that Arizona played Baylor in basketball? I don't think. It, uh, when's the last time we've played Baylor? It's. I'm 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 going to try and look it up while we're yeah. On look here, that but. up real quick. I'd be interested because that that's a that's something I was thinking about as I was looking through the schools and trying to look at uh, you know when the last time we've played a lot of these schools because it, it goes to also show you what I was talking about the Pac-12 is once you're when you're outside of a conference it can be years before you play schools outside of your uh, conference and so suddenly Washington State is outside of our conference who knows how long it's going to be between before Arizona ever plays Washington State or Oregon State again. So it's actually not as far back as you think. It's um, December seventh, twenty nineteen. Fairly recently, I was thinking that it was fairly recent, but I, again, you know, all those Texas schools start blurring in your mind. So that was the year Arizona <laughs> had Zeke Naji, Chase Jeter, Nico Mannion, Josh Green, Dylan Smith, ugh. Jamal Baker, Christian Coloco, and Hazard and Ira Lee. That was an interesting time. That is, I remember those. That is a interesting squad. That is an interesting squad, and I'm going to get get as you named a lot of those folks. A lot of Arizona fans are scratching their head, going, "Say what? Those guys yeah. played for Arizona? What happened to those guys?" <laughs> no, Zeke Naji has an NBA. Zeke championship Naji has now. an NBA championship ring. So yeah, he, he didn't that. actually play, but he got his ring. Hey, a ring is a ring is a ring. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Even so. if it's around your toilet, it's a ring. <laughs> uh, is it getting late or what? No. <laughs> yes, folks, that, that's the type of show this is. Humor is allowed. <laughs> yes, and if you are looking to clean your toilet, please use Libman products. That's right. They are a great sponsor of the Pac-12. While you're playing out-of-sync BGs from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, at the Pac-12 tournament one year, it was three or four years ago, they did the Australian BGs at halftime. And if you've ever been to the Pac-12 tournament, that's kind of what they always do. The Australian BGs are kind of famous in Vegas. But the the one year we were talking about, uh, they got out of sync. Uh, their earphones weren't working, and so they were singing different parts of the song. All three guys that were up there were singing different parts of the song, and it sounded absolutely terrible. Uh, I believe it was MGM Grand at the time, wasn't it? Or was That's it right. It was, no, no, it was MGM Grand. Yeah, and they, they sent out a tweet apologizing because it was on their end. It was their fault that they were out of sync. Um, but it was just, it was like it was watching cold. a car crash. You know it's coming, and you're just going, oh man, what's going on? Oh, but at the no. same time, it would, particularly since you were monitoring it, the, the social media reaction in real time, it was hilarious at the same time. And the other thing we're, for, we're referring to, which probably was a precursor indicator of how things were going in the Pac 12, is one of the sponsors during the game, while, you know, while it was on commercial break, they were literally giving away cleaning surprise as a winning product as a sponsor i thought wow really that's yeah. you'd like to so you're saying that you compete in those uh in between commercial contests and you get toilet brushes wow shoot a half court <laughs> shot and win yourself a mop <laughs> there you go life is good <laughs> welcome to the de- <laughs> welcome to the declining pac-12 conference that's a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar mop by the way <laughs> <laughs> gold handle and all yeah exactly <laughs> so oh those times those were fun um what are your thoughts about the Pac or not the Pac twelve, about you know, these teams from the Pac twelve, Arizona, Utah, ASU, Colorado, maybe lobbying the Big Twelve to get the Big Twelve tournament moved to Las Vegas? Do you think that'd be a good idea? I think that'd be I think that'd be great. One of the problems I think is, you know, trying to find a 
quote unquote neutral place that everybody wins by going to, right? And you and I even went through the effort once, I think, of calculating out the average distance uh, Pac-12 schools had to go to make it to T-Mobile Arena. And it was obvious, you know, which ones had to come a distance, which ones were closer, and whose fans base was showing up in force. The the nice thing about Vegas is it's a nice neutral territory and it's an easy place to attract fans to. It's easy to get people to come there because it's a show place anyway. Telling people to go to Vegas is not a hard sell, right? Mm-hmm. So I it also takes a lot of the championship away from what were sometimes considered home court advantages for some of the teams in the uh, tournament. But we know if that comes to the Pac-12, I mean, when it comes to, sorry, when it comes to the uh, T-Mobile or something like that, or uh, if they choose to do it in Vegas, we know whose fans will show up at that one. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, with Big 12 teams uh, now in the mix, if that were to happen, uh, I think it'd be more balanced. But Arizona fans have overwhelmed T-Mobile Arena for the last 10 years, and it's it's not even close. Um, Even with teams that live closer to Vegas. Uh, you know, ASU's two hours closer than we are, and ASU couldn't get fans there if their lives depended on it, even just to go to Vegas. I mean, it's like, I think come if on, they'd ASU, send you should be te- up for this. It, yeah, you'd think their, fan, their fans probably would come if they'd send a team. Yeah. But we know how that went. But one of the things I'll mention to folks is that if you want to experience, in its final year, if you want to experience something truly amazing, go to the Pac-12 tournament at T-Mobile in, um, in March. Uh, what? And, and how can, can this one experience. not be the best one? Absolutely. We've had. I uh, mean, Ricky and I can tell you from experience. We go there in person. We're hardcore basketball fans, so Ricky and I do what is truly a test of endurance, which is to watch eleven basketball games every single game, starting from Wednesday, uh, watching all the uh, kind of the lower teams in the uh, in the Pac-12 play each other, and we watch every single game. During that time, it's such a great experience. It's such a true basketball lover's uh, dream. Um, if you love the Pac-12 at the time and you love those teams and you want to see it for the last time, I cannot recommend enough that you take the effort and make a run to Las Vegas, get you the tickets and go. But not until Ricky and I get our tickets, please. We don't want to have <laughs> to pay right. too much. We, we want to be in the front row this year. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else uh, that you'd like to talk about before we head out? We're at 53 minutes, which is great. No, it's a, this was a great discussion. I'm, I, 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 I'm sure, I hope that our listeners who listen to this will consider this therapy the same way it was for you and I to talk about it. The reason why this is running on a bit is because, you know, this was a huge, game-changing, no pun intended, uh, 24 hours that really reshaped college sports, the impact to be felt for years. Um, it, we needed to talk through this, and we know you needed to as well, and you needed something to spur you along. So I hope that this discussion uh, kind of gets you going, lets you think about what the, what's coming up in the next year, what's coming up in the next two years, and that you're excited about uh, the future for Arizona sports, Arizona basketball, and, and just what it means to be in the final season of the Pac-12 and soon a Big 12 member, and all that disappears in 108 years of history. Yep. Yeah, and like I said before, it's it's sad because I do love the Pac-12. You know, I didn't care for the leadership, but I do love the Pac-12. I love playing against UCLA, Oregon, USC, Arizona State. You know, those games meant so much to me. That's that's what I grew up watching. You know, as a kid, so um, I am sad to see it kind of dissolve and, and end the way that it did. Uh, but I am excited. I'm very excited. You know, Arizona got its bag. You know, thirty to thirty-two million dollars, um, which is what you know they needed and. They've got stability now, and they've got a great commissioner. Um, you know, and he's not done. 
Uh, we got matchups you could only dream about. I'm not going to start another topic here necessarily because I know we're going to try and wrap it up here, but it sounds like Brett Yormark is actually going after even more schools. Um, he's possibly looking at Gonzaga and UConn um, as basketball-only schools joining. Um, so That's aggressive. I mean, just, just imagine. And so yeah. I love this guy. He's he's really going after it. He's doing what he says he's going to do, and I think he's, he's the a great fit. Of what, he's the opposite of what George did. He's aggressive. He's t- grabbing while he can. And, you know, this This is the way it goes. I mean, this is how it's playing out. And so everybody enjoy the final year of the Pac-12 um, as much as you can. It's the, Then it'll be a completely different field and stuff. So, again, enjoy the bittersweet year. And uh, uh, the main thing that matters, bear down Arizona. Let's make an impact in the final year of the Pac-12. It, make a big impact in the whole nation. And kick butt going into the Big 12. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter at BiasedAZPodcast. Uh, go ahead and drop us a line if you want to say anything, ask us any questions, uh, give us any topic suggestions you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, Arizona's out on a, a European tour right now. They're, they're going to be playing some games overseas. Um, so watch out for that. Uh, it should be fun to, to watch those guys um, play those games and, and see how they do. Uh, against you know conference from overseas um and then we'll do more podcasts obviously we're going to be here with you every step of the way because ed and i are college basketball junkies so we love doing this stuff it's like he said therapeutic for us and uh, we hope it's therapeutic for you as well so uh until next time my name is ricky garrett here with ed bardo and really uh really excited about what's coming up in arizona and europe please do better than kansas just did against bahamas amen <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Wildcats not letting him inside right now. Ziggler, ball knocked away by Boswell. Ziggler gets it back. Seven on the shot clock. Boswell all over Ziggler now. Throws across court, right corner. Open. Three ball. Good. Courtney Ramey. Works his way in lob play for Ballo. Layup is good. Inside, nobody open there. Back door cut to Larson. He'll lay it in.